Today's podcast is brought to you by Howie's new book, Paperboy. To order today, go to HowieCarshow.com and click on store. Live from the Aviva Trattoria studio, it's the Grace Curley Show. we got to bring in a new voice, a young voice, a rising voice, Grace Curley. You can read Grace's work in the Boston Herald and the Spectator. Especially, Grace, Grace, stand up. Here's the millennial with the mic, Grace Curley. The other crazy part about the Nathan Wade hearing right now, Fannie Willis, Nathan Wade hearing, because now he's being pressed on finances. They really want to get to the timeline of this. I don't want to call it an affair because I think this is, like I said, a love that's built to last of this blossoming relationship. And the other crazy part of this story to me is when you see him answering these questions and he is floundering. And, and you know what? His smile has faded. His smile has faded and now there's a look in his eyes like he knows this is not going in his favor. And it blows my mind that he's a lawyer, Jared. Because you would just assume as a lawyer he'd be a little bit better on the stand. He would know how to navigate this a little bit more. But alas, it is not to be. Uh, I wanted to read you, by the way, because all of this now is coming down to he just keeps saying that Fannie would give him cash as a way of paying him back for the expenses that he incurred on his credit card. And I want to read you this from the Daily Mail. It says, Wade faced a barrage of questions both about the timing and nature of his romantic relationship with Willis and how he accounted for expenses while his firm earned more than $600,000 from the county. He said, I never purchased a gift for Miss Willis. He said the pair's accounting came in part due to Willis's concerns about being a high profile figure while prosecuting Trump. So they had to use his business card for everything because according to Wade, for safety reasons, she would limit her transactions. I'm going to start using that. I am going to start using that, Jared. I'm out with people, grabbing dinner. I'm like, you know what, guys? For safety reasons, I'm going to let you pick this one up, okay? It's just, it's a safety thing. It's a safety thing. I'm a little concerned. I don't want to put myself at risk. And honestly, I don't want to put any of you at risk. So if you could just throw down the Amex, I would appreciate that. And I will get you back later I will get you back with cash. And by the way, now is she going to have to prove that she gave him all this cash? Because I'm sure there's receipts. Like if she was taking it out of ATM, there's going to be receipts. This is all going to be very fun. Very fun to watch. I wanted to also mention here, because this is a really big story. And I'm going to talk to Ari Hoffman about it probably next week. He's in Israel right now. We were going to try uh, to see if we could get a connection on his phone. And then I thought, Ugh, that might just be really tough with the time difference and everything. So um, I'm going to try to get him on next week. But here is an update for you. This is from the Washington Post. U.S. and Arab nations plan for post-war Gaza timeline for Palestinian state. Initial ceasefire for release of hostages is seen as key to providing space to introduce a new peace deal, according to The Washington Post. Now, Caroline Glick wrote on Twitter, The Washington Post article sets out how the Biden administration intends to give the Palestinians the single greatest prize for genocide in human history. The slaughter 
of 1,200 and kidnapped 246 to advance their goal of annihilating the Jews. Now the U.S. intends to give them a state from which they will be able to finish the job. That is Caroline Glick. And uh, Ari Hoffman commented, Biden is trying to create a Palestinian state to win an election in the U.S. because he's trying to pacify his Hamas-supporting base. All he will be doing is rewarding terrorists and their supporters for atrocities committed on October 7th. I want to mention here that, of course, not everyone, not all Palestinians, their goal is not to um, annihilate Jews. But I think we'd be naive to not realize that when you're talking about Hamas, which is currently in charge of Gaza, that... Peace is not the goal here. So we talk about these peace deals like, oh, that'll be a ceasefire. They've made it very clear time and time again that a ceasefire is not what they're after. They want to wipe Jews from the face of the earth. So their uh, the response from the White House is, let's create a Palestinian state. Again, though, this is Joe Biden, Tracks. supposedly a foreign policy expert. He's dealing with a lot right now. By the way, did you see that Republicans now are calling into question or they're 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 asking that? Is it Turner yesterday who put out this thing about the national security threat? They think this should be investigated because I think a lot of people are wondering why that what was the goal there to like put people into a panic over these Russian nukes. And like John Daniel Davidson pointed out, the timing of it is pretty crazy. Now, another story that I wanted to talk about involves the special counsel report. Let's give you all a little update on this. Special counsel report comes out. This is just a brief recap. Previously on the Biden administration, special counsel report comes out and there was this paragraph. And the funny thing is, is now you can just go on, you can open it, you can just type in, if you type in the word memory, it comes up about eight times in the special counsel report. And one of the times it's Robert Hur recounting all of the things that Joe Biden couldn't remember. And he mentions in there that Joe Biden couldn't recall the year his son died. Now, Jared, I want to pull, if you could pull in here from the old cuts, when Biden first came out in that disastrous press conference, he was very upset with that characterization. He was very upset at the accusation that he couldn't remember the year his son Bo died. And I think he actually said, like, how dare he in regards to Robert Hur? Now, I want to play that for people because since then we have new information. After he did that, Jared had pointed it out, I had pointed out that something about it wasn't making any sense. Let's play this first, though, to refresh your memory. In addition, I know there's some attention paid to some language in the report about my recollection of events. There's even reference that I don't remember when my son died. How in the hell dare he raise that? Frankly, when I was asked the question, I thought to myself, it wasn't any of their damn business. Was it any of their damn business okay so that's where we left off with joe biden but there's a problem here there's a new report out nbc of all places has a new report out that the president himself brought up his son's 2015 death from brain cancer during the five hours of questioning on october 8th and 9th it was the president not her or his team who first introduced Bo biden's death what that's two sources familiar with the interview I'm going to give us credit on that one. Yeah, but I also don't think you had to be. No, you didn't, but we voiced it. 
No, and you know what, Jared? Here's what I'll say. I think everyone knew at that moment, like, oh, Robert Hurd didn't just bring this up out of nowhere. It was probably Joe Biden. But what you pointed out, which I did appreciate and which I did forget, is that Joe actually used Bo Biden's death as a reason why he had trouble, like, keeping all his papers in order or something. Like, he oftentimes uses it for, oh, I was stressed out. My son had just died. That's why I was calling Hunter during these business meetings. And... That for me was a little bit of a jog of my memory of, oh, you're right. He was talking about Bo in regards to this document scandal. And so it only makes sense that he would have brought it up. Now the question becomes, why don't we have the transcript? And of course, the answer is they don't want us to have the transcript. They're panicky. Um, They know it's going to prove that Biden has lost his marbles as if we need as if we need further evidence of that. But I wanted to let everybody know that Aaron Burnett is quickly coming out as the top dog when it comes to spinning for Joe. And Jared, I didn't see that for her. There are so many people I thought are going to go above and beyond trying to make this man into something he's not. Joe Scarborough, for example. And Joe has made an effort. Joe has said, listen, I don't remember the year my mom died, which I I didn't see that as a defense either. So Joe, I'm not trying to downplay how, how pathetic Joe Scarborough's defense of Joe Biden is. Because it's up there. It's top five. But I just didn't see Erin Burnett as top one or two. So first she comes out and she's like, he falls into these cul-de-sacs of confusing words. Verbal cul-de-sacs. These verbal cul-de-sacs. And he does have a stutter. She she touted out the stutter. And I was like, I hadn't, or she trotted that out. I was like, I haven't heard the stutter excuse in a while. And then we've got this one. Now she's trying to explain that press conference. This is cut one. My understanding is, right, those interviews were, depositions were the 8th and 9th of October. Uh, so right. literally in the hours. So he, he would not have slept. And, and, and one can imagine, and he would have been completely distracted, uh, that perhaps it was a mistake to do them on those days. We'll see when we see, read, and hear. Okay, now my, my question for Erin Burnett, and I'm not, trying to, <sighs> I'm not trying to make her feel like she's on trial here, but how much are they paying you? Like, how much are you getting paid by the administration? Because you're about to upstage Kirby and KJP with these defenses. Now it's because he's tired. That's not the first time I've heard that either. Remember when he fell asleep at that summit and it was like Kelly. What's the lady's name from NBC? Kelly O'Donnell. Is that her name? And she said, well, you know, the jet lag and the hours and the blah, 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 blah. But we actually have sound of Joe Biden explaining why that press conference was so bad. This is cut 1A. You know, I don't know. I just, I didn't want to sing too loud because I don't want to wake up Robert and Nancy. My throat's sore. I've had a sore throat for a month and a half. And this is not an acoustic environment that's suitable to request this from me. Yeah, it's not. It's our fault. I take the blame for this one. When we come back, I want to talk about this Ukraine border package because... Senator Roger Marshall from Kansas, who I'd never really paid attention to, he was on Fox and he gave a pretty um, interesting idea out for how Republicans could handle this package that, well, some Senate Republicans seem eager to pass through. And it's a $95 billion aid package to Ukraine, Israel and Taiwan. Oh, and um, Hamas, too, if you want to count the $9.2 billion that's going to go to humanitarian aid in Gaza, which is code for hijacked by Hamas, used to fight Israel. Um, And his idea involves HR2 and kind of 
trying to work this so that Republicans can get something for the border. Now, what's interesting about this is you have to really hold these politicians. And I I would say typically in that sentence, I'd say Democrats. But right now it seems like it's both. You have to hold these swamp creatures feet to the fire to get them to do anything with the border. Like, you know how Pelosi used to always say that, Jared? They're holding us hostage. That is what has to happen in these cases. I'm not saying literally holding them hostage, but politically you have to hold them hostage for anyone to do anything to secure our own border. But if you say, hey, you know, we'd like to secure the border in Ukraine or we'd like to secure the border in, oh my God, they can't do it fast enough. It's not enough money. Write a blank check. But if you say, hey, we have a little bit of an issue with... um, 20,000 Chinese nationals, or how many is it a day now? It's like 300-something a day. Everyone's everyone's very hesitant. I'm not sure if that's a good use of our funds. I've said it before, and I'll say it again. Dr. Houghton of Perfect Smiles is a superb architect. When it comes to dentistry, he is the best at what he does. He fixes your teeth and your smile, and he takes it all at your own pace. It's going to build your self-confidence, and it's going to make you feel good. Because when you have a smile that you're proud of, It builds confidence in your professional life and in your personal life. The better you look, the better you feel. That helps every aspect of your life. So if you've thought about Perfect Smiles for years but you never called, take the first step towards a renewed sense of self-confidence and visit Dr. Houghton. Take care of yourself. You deserve it. Call Perfect Smiles in Nashville, New Hampshire. They're conveniently located off Route 3. They've got plenty of parking, and you can reach them at PerfectSmiles.com. That's PerfectSmiles.com. Two other things I wanted to add in. One is that we have tons of sound from Trump outside the courtroom, uh, outside the courthouse in New York. I thought he did a great job today. Really good um, speech by him. So we'll play some of that sound. And the second thing, just back to this Wade situation, it seems like his lawyers are outmatched here. It seems like every objection they're throwing out, everything they're suggesting is is kind of falling flat. And he's obviously not equipped at answering these questions. Might have been a case where self-representation would have been the way to go. Ah, Goodwill Hunting. I will be representing myself. Perhaps. I mean, if if you run a law firm and you bring in like $600,000 a year and you become a special prosecutor in one of the biggest cases in the country, surely you can represent yourself. Surely you would do yourself justice more than any of these other lawyers, any of these other hacks he's got up there. We'll be right back. We'll take your calls on the other side. Follow Grace on Twitter at G underscore Curly. This is the Grace Curly Show. Welcome back, everyone. It's a little bit of a sultry bump. Welcome back to the Grace Curley Show. Today's poll question is brought to you by Local Silver Mint. Located in Ware, New Hampshire, Silver Dave will work with you directly. Contact him at localsilvermint.com. Jared, what is the poll question and what are the results thus far? Today's poll question, which you can vote in at gracecurleyshow.com, is who has the missing binder? Trump? the intelligence agencies, or it has been destroyed. I'm going to say, and this is more aspirational than anything else, this is more of a hopeful choice, but I'm going to say Trump. I think Trump took that binder, 
and it's buried somewhere in Mar-a-Lago. It's, it's maybe that's what they were looking for in Melania's underwear drawer. That's what it's got to be. It's in one of those. It's in one of those beautiful boxes in the bathroom. Keep something secret. Hide it in plain sight. The public. Mar-a-Lago. Yeah, where people are just walking around. It really is. It's like one of the national parks. Yeah. <laughs> uh, 23% say Trump. 29% believe the intelligence agencies and 48% think it has been destroyed. So here's the, it says sources have told public and racket. Now this is, I think from, this is from Red State, but sometimes they pull, they pull excerpts from other things. It says sources have told public and racket, however, that the secrets officials worried uh, worry might be exposed are ones that would implicate them in widespread abuses of intelligence authority dating back to the 2015-2016 election season. So when Natasha Bertrand, reporter at CNN who just got promoted, meanwhile, Catherine Herridge, a real reporter, is getting the pink slip from CBS, when she first was reporting on this missing binder, if you were someone who just wasn't paying attention, or worse, if you were someone who's drinking the Trump-Russia collusion Kool-Aid, and you hear that, you go, oh, he stole a binder. He stole the binder that proves that he colluded with the Kremlin. It's only now that you would find out he actually might have taken a binder, and he probably didn't even take it, but he that binder might be the thing that could vindicate him. That binder might have found its way to our lives. So this is my favorite quote. It says, I would call the binder Trump's insurance policy, said someone knowledgeable about the case. He was very concerned about having it and taking it with him because it was the roadmap of Russiagate. So the binder that they wanted you to believe was about Russia election interference. That was a euphemism for all of our dirty deeds and everything that we did to try to set up a pretext to crossfire hurricane. So we told the five eyes and we our intelligence agencies were encouraging them. Here's a list of people. Try to bump into them. Try to make contact so that we can have a pretext to frame this guy. And it's all in this binder. Would you take it? That should have been my poll question. Would you take the binder if you were Trump? Absolutely. If I knew that everyone was out to get me and that binder was a roadmap to Russiagate... I'd be making copies. I'd be taking the binder. I don't even think there's a question I would. I, I just, and I guess it's, it's all attributed to arrogance, but why would you have a binder that lists everything you did in a situation like this? Like, why do you, why would you have records of that? Well, the other part of it, too, is that it's Trump's insurance policy. And I find that to be such a delicious irony because oh, yeah. Peter Strzok, Peter Strzok, they, they wanted all of this. This entire, you know, frame job was an insurance policy, as Peter Strzok said, in case Trump won the election. We have an insurance policy to get him out of there. And that's to pretend that he colluded with Russia. It turns out Trump might have had his own insurance policy which was exposing their insurance policy. I feel like I'm losing my mind. Um, when we come I back... I like I'm taking crazy pills! I, thank you, Jared. I really do. Um, when we come back, I will have more sound for you from Nathan Wade. He's saying he doesn't have any receipts from Fannie Willis. That's unfortunate. But he did. He said he had no receipts and nothing like that. But 10 minutes later, he said he has credit card statements. So... What are, what are we doing? What are we doing here? 
This man. Like I said, I'm going to say it one more time because I think it's good. What a tangled web we weave when yet we travel to Belize. We will be right back. I'm going to play that sound from Senator Roger Marshall, too. And this is the gift that keeps on giving, a Hunter Biden update. Don't go anywhere. Live from the Aviva Trattoria studio. You know what just dawned on me? And maybe they're getting to it. And to be totally fair, I've been doing this show while this is happening. Sometimes, Jared, the timing of these things really works in our favor. Like when when Biden gave that presser at 8 o'clock at night, I was thinking, ooh, I get the first crack at this. Come 12 o'clock, and I had plenty of time in the morning to really figure out what I was going to say. This Wade thing, while it is very fun to watch, it's all coming at me live on TV, so I'm trying to keep up with it. But from what I've seen and from what I've been following, there hasn't been any questions about his White House visits. Do you think we could work that into the questioning? I don't know if the lawyer's taking requests, the the lawyer who's cross-examining him, but I would like to request uh, the White House visits that he took. I think that was when he was billing himself like 24, 24 hours in one day. Um, I could have that confused though, but I would just I would just like if the White House visits could come into play here while we have him under oath and all. Grace, the White House isn't a cabin. <laughs> the White House is not a cabin, Jared. You're not lying about that. 844-500-4242. Before we go to the Hunter Biden update, for you. I think we should play a little bit of Trump. It's been a while since I played Trump. I watched him this morning outside of the New York court and I thought that he was great. I thought he was on on point. Um, And as much as I wish he was at this trial in Atlanta and I stand by that, that was a mistake. I think if he's watching this, he will come to regret it. And I would love to know how differently people would be acting on the stand if he was just sitting there in the crowd. I can't imagine it'd be going worse for Nathan Wade, but who knows? Um, but this was Trump today. Let's start with, and this is the hush money case, but really when he's going out there and talking about any of these cases, it's all kind of under the same umbrella, which is this is a witch hunt. This is election interference. They don't want me to be president. I think that's obvious from the fact that now states are trying to kick him off the ballot. But it's always kind of a, a, a it's a stump speech, and it should be because this is proving to be something that not only rallies his base, but actually energizes his base and and increases his fundraising. And something I'll add in here is in a lot of these cases, Trump doesn't have to go. He doesn't have to appear every single time. There are certain situations where he does have to appear. But in a lot of these, he chooses to because he can see based off the momentum, based off the polls, that this helps him. So this was Trump outside today. Um, Let's have cut two. So thank you very much. Everything that... I've heard and read even from legal scholars said there is absolutely no case here. It's not a crime. Uh, This is not a crime. And when you look at what's going on outside of the streets, where violent crime is at an all-time high, uh, I think it's a very, very, it's a great double standard. And let's have cut three, please. The other thing, this case could have been brought three years ago. There is no case. They decided not to bring it. District Attorney Bragg didn't want to bring it. He said he doesn't want to bring this case. But it's not a crime. We're here for something that is not a crime. 
Nobody's ever seen anything like it. What it is is election interference. It's being run by Joe Biden's White House. His top person was placed here in order to make sure everything goes right. This is a this is a terrible time for our country. This is a real dark period for our country. I don't disagree with him. And um, speaking of crimes and speaking of people who are having to make some court appearances, let's talk a little bit about Hunter Biden, because it's been a while. It's been a a while since we've heard from Hunter or we've gotten an update from his law uh, from his lawyers. And this was from Miranda Devine. She said a delicious court filing this week in the case of the United States versus Biden in Delaware leaves Abby Lowell, pricey lawyer to the president's son. And I would say lawyer to the stars. Okay. I don't think calling Hunter the president's son does him justice. How about lawyer to artist known as Hunter? Lawyer to writer, movie star I've heard is coming up soon. Poet Hunter Biden. And it's left Abby Lowell with egg all over his face. It was written by Derek Hines, one of the two pit bull prosecutors subbed in at the last minute to take over the Hunter Biden gun case. Just skipping around here. Judging by the tone of the new prosecution filings, miracles might happen. Hunter could end up being treated like every other poor schmuck without a powerful daddy, although I wouldn't bet your house on it. In the meantime... It's popcorn time as Lowell is fighting with Hines about Hunter's abandoned laptop. So I didn't realize this, but they're still going with this idea that the laptop might not be real. And that's that's hard because you have to you have to try to prove that your client is being unfairly accused of things. And at the same time, you have to keep throwing out this hypothetical, like, well, we don't even know if this laptop is real. So you're not, right off from the, from the, from jump, right from the start, you're not based in reality. You're already kind of in this weird limbo. Hunter has been making all of his 16 lawyers in cases across the country go through this charade of pretending that his laptop is not his laptop. If I were Abby Lowell, I would say to him, we, I can't, I can't operate like this. I can't operate in this fictitious world where you aren't sure if it's yours. Like, you know if it's yours or not. It does make more, make life more difficult for Lowell as he tries to write footnotes on all of his filings explaining that while he might be suing this person for breach of privacy or that person for stealing Hunter's property, it doesn't mean it's actually his client's laptop. So he keeps putting in footnotes like questions remain about the providence and total authenticity of the data on the laptop image and hard drive, blah, 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 blah. He also later on, he complains that there's too much for him to go through. So they ask for a copy, Jared, of the laptop. He wants a copy. He said he demanded from Heinz in discovery an exact forensic copy of the alleged laptop. He got exactly what he asked for. And what is his response? He's been complaining to the judge that he is stuck searching an abyss of data and has spent hours combing through forensic images of the device and that the prosecutors have left buried the pertinent photos within a production of undifferentiated files. So there's too much for him to sort through. It's like um, if Miranda Devine could do it, she's not his lawyer. You should be able to figure it out. And she actually writes here, it is impossible to make sense of any of it without hours of aggravation because she would know she did it for her book. 
Amid the constant threat of being ambushed by hundreds of selfies of Hunter's penis, sometimes adorned with M&Ms or flanked by a ruler. I'm going to I'm going to stop there because it gets worse. But now his lawyer is complaining like there's too many photos on this thing. I can't get through it all. Take it up with your client. And as she pointed out in this piece, he could always ask Hunter, help us sort through this. You know, it's all your stuff. 844-500-4242. One other thing I had mentioned today that I want to wrap up involves this sound cut from Senator Roger Marshall. So this is from Fox. It says Senator Roger Marshall is one of the several dissatisfied Republicans who voted against the multi-billion dollar national security supplemental package. So he is not one of these uh, spineless rhino senators who's pushing for this $95 billion package. Um, and he actually had an idea about Mike Johnson and what, what could happen here to secure the border. Can I have cut 10, please? I would love to see Speaker Johnson take H.R. 2 and add it to the bill that we passed. I think that's something that uh, a supermajority of Republicans to su- could support. I'm still not happy with some of the funding that's going to Ukraine. I think we need better accountability, a whole lot of things. But I'd be willing to trade that in return for meaningful border security, which is an H.R. 2. It addresses asylum much better. It addresses the parole issue. It gets rid of this 5,000 number as well for shutting the border down. You know, the crazy part of that is, is that your your initial reaction is to go, well, we shouldn't do that. We shouldn't have to make trades to secure our border. You know, we should just be securing our border because we should have politicians who want to do that on both sides. But the even nuttier part of it is if we don't do that, if we don't play that game and try to trade and, and try to try to get something for it, our politicians, our Republicans on our side will just do it and get nothing. Like they're willing to pass this stuff and get nothing for it. So that's kind of like, yeah, you can knock it and say, no, well, you shouldn't pass anything, but they're going to pass it and we're going to get nothing. Or you can make a deal. And I'm not saying that any of these situations are good, but that's the craziest part about Republicans is that most of them probably don't even want that. They probably would just rather give them give this ninety five billion dollars over and ask for nothing in return. We're so generous like that. You know, we're so low maintenance. Eight four four five hundred forty two forty two. When we come back, we're going to talk to Howard Lawrence Carr. There's a lot going on today. So there's a lot for him to talk about with us when we return. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to The Grace Curley Show. This is The Grace Curley Show. Today's car crossover is brought to you by Toyota of Portsmouth, your all-wheel drive headquarters. Toyota of Portsmouth has the trucks and SUVs built for New England trails and winter driving. So shop now at toyotaofportsmouth.com. More bad news for the White House. Special Counsel Robert Hur is in final talks to publicly testify before Congress in early March about his report on President Biden's handling of classified documents. So in case 
the report, if the writing of it, you know, if reading it didn't uh, really send the message, I'm sure having Robert Hurd describe his interactions with Joe, it's not going to bode well for the president. Her already is thinking about his testimony and has reached out to former Justice Department colleagues to potentially help him prepare a person familiar with the matter told Axios. The, the crazy part for her is it reminds me of like that Robert Frost poem. Two roads. How does it go, Jared? I'm like Joe Biden. Finish the rest. Two roads diverge in a snowy wood and I took the one less traveled. He had two options. I butchered that, by the way. The guy who texts in when I butcher quotes, don't bother. I'm here to tell you I butchered that. But my point is, my point is that her could have been like one of two things here. He only had two options. He could come out and write down what he saw when he interacted with Joe Biden. He's the first person to be honest about what's happening in front of our faces. And he becomes a, what are they calling him? A partisan hack. Not a neurologist. The worst man ever. They hate him now. Or he could have exonerated Joe. He could have lied. He could have said, you know, there's nothing to see here, folks. And he would have been celebrated. He would have maybe Joe Scarborough and Mika Brzezinski would have had his picture framed and hung up in their kitchen like they did for Bob Mueller. But instead, he decided to be honest. And that is clearly going to be a problem now for Democrats. The Axios report, this is from Red State, also speculated that Her would likely be sitting before the House Judiciary Committee to give his testimony. Her's report could not be coming at a worse possible time for Biden as polls continue to show clear majorities have growing concerns about his age. We talked about that yesterday in the New York Times. Joining us now is Howie Carr. And Howie, I don't want to talk about the Robert Her report. We've been talking about that. I want to get your take on this hearing in Atlanta. First of all, we were both right. Trump should have gone. I think that's very obvious. <laughs> but there's another day. She's going to be, Fanny's going to be on the witness stand tomorrow. Who I do mean, you think is going to be better on the stand? It's going to be hard to be worse than Nathan Wade. Do you think Fanny's going to be better or worse? I think Fanny will be worse because I think she's more arrogant than Nathan Wade. I mean, Nathan Wade is dumb, but he realizes that he's in a jam. I don't even know that she realizes that herself. What what from today is your biggest takeaway? Because different people have texted me different things. I've gotten different takes on this from the mailroom manager. My parents are focused on the cabin. Like what today was the part of this where you went, okay, that's what I'm going to talk about. He remembers the trips perfectly in 2023. <laughs> he remembers them perfectly in 2022. But when it comes to 2021, I don't recall. Are you saying yes or no? I do not recall. I was getting Bulger vibes from 2020, 2003. And how about this? They went on excursions. And she paid and, for the excursions. Yeah, in cash. In cash. It's it's an amazing thing. that You know, that someone, you know, you run up a $4,000 bill and uh, you put it on your credit card and then your, uh, your girlfriend, who's also your boss, gives you $2,000 in cash. So I assume she's going to be asked tomorrow. Well, you know, uh, your your uh, your paramour, your boy toy, said that he you she gave uh, that he, you gave her you gave him two thousand bucks in cash. I don't see any ATM receipts for two thousand dollars in cash. The I don't see any cash withdrawals here. The only explanation 
that I think she could have for that is if she said, well, I bartered something and someone gave me cash and she had something. I had a fur coat and I and somebody gave me two thousand dollars and then I gave that cash to him. One one of my favorite lines was, "I'm going to." She she likes to pay for her own weight. Her own weight that really runs up the tab. Howard, well, here's my question for you, and it's in regards to th- this testimony that he gave today. You've been following this; it's been tough because we're on the air, so we're trying to catch as much as we can. Has anyone brought up the White House and the visits to the White House yet? Because that seems like something that. I would think they would ask him about. Well, you know, they I don't know. I, I had I've been I've had to do some you know r- real reporting of my own that I had to write a column. So you're right. How about the fact that he charged 24 hours on the fourth day on his fourth day on the job? Well, you must have, Mr. Wade. You must have been mighty tuckered out after you worked 24 hours straight on your fourth day on the job. Howie, did you hear him explaining the way they would break out the money? at his law firm because remember it was like three three lawyers were part of the firm and he was explaining how i would get the money and then i would you know i would distribute it to this and this and this and then it was like it was a tangled web i was thinking they can't you're making over six hundred thousand dollars a year maybe you should hire an accountant yeah i i I know by the way fanny just took the stand uh should we take let's take a tiny bit of this live and see what we hear Oh, it might be a while. She's just getting set up here, Howie. But you might be able to take her live at this point because I think Nathan... This is my last question for you, Howie. Do you think when Nathan Wade goes home tonight, whoever he goes home to, I don't know, do you think he... He's not sleeping with her anymore now. That's true. That's come out. They're done. That's what he says. Yeah. But do you think... They're closer now than ever before. Not physically, but emotionally they're, they're soulmates they're soulmates okay well i believe that um do you think he puts his head in his hand and goes oh that was brutal like i really i because because everybody else even msnbc is saying this was a disaster this is game <laughs> over so do you think he as a lawyer does he have the wherewithal to go home and go wow i bombed that today i i think i think the human capacity for self-delusion is endless <laughs> it's a very i, I I think he. I think he's telling himself he did great. Just like I think Bulger told himself he did great at the end of his appearance before the House Oversight Committee uh, twenty years ago. <laughs> Howie, I know you have a great show planned for today. By the way, do you want to congratulate Uma Abedin for dating uh, George Soros' son, Mrs. Carlos Danger? Maybe she she's used, gonna get she her own radio to, show. She used to work under Hillary Clinton. Now she works under Alex Soros. Isn't she? Isn't she about like ten years older than him too? On top she, of everything She else. might be coming to you soon from a radio station if she plays her cards right with the Soroses. Howie she be the Carr. morning man at WEEI, <laughs> Shellville. Howie Carr is coming up next. Don't go anywhere.